Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk in daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. We hear that word and we envision something without conflict. Peace involves that, but there's so much more. Peace is a restored state of wholeness. The birth of Jesus announces the arrival of peace and the death of Jesus creates peace with God. And when the angels proclaim peace on earth, the shepherds heard what our hearts long to hear, that God is indeed restoring all of it to his original and glorious purposes. So may we experience that kind of peace. It's an invitation for every person, and it's here now because Jesus is here now. This is peace. Welcome to Christmas. Good morning. It's so good to be with you this morning. God has spoken so well, I'm going to try to make this a little quicker than normal. Uh, But again, no promises. This is our second week of Advent. We're talking about peace. And I hope most of you have uh, jumped onto our website, found the Advent reading that we're going through as a church. And technically, this would be day four of the reading on version, And it actually talks about humble beginnings. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about the fact that it doesn't matter where you started or where you are at at this moment. It's about where you're going, and it's about having the peace of God to get there. And so this morning, we want to talk about this, and so let's just take a moment and pray. Father, I thank you that your word is encouraging, that your word will correct us, it guides us, it leads us, it gives us strength, it gives us wisdom. And so this morning, Lord, I pray that you hide me behind the cross and let my words be your words. Speak through me today. Lord, I pray that every one of us has open ears and open hearts this morning to walk out of here changed today, that you will challenge us and encourage us, and we will leave here different people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's interesting when we talk about humble beginnings. The devotion reading actually quotes this scripture, which is Micah 5, verse 2, and it says this, But you, Bethlehem, talking about where Jesus was born... This is the message version because it says that the most blunt and nice, well, not nice, but the most blunt. It says, but you, Bethlehem, David's country, the runt of the litter. How many of you would be loved to be called the runt of the litter? Like not just called it once or twice, written down for people to remember forever. This is Chad, the runt of the litter. Right? It's a lot easier for me to say about myself than all the ones out there going, Chad is short. (laughs) Bethlehem, you, the runt of the litter, from you will come the leader who will shepherd, rule Israel. See, here's the amazing thing about your story. God wants all the credit. He wants all the credit. See, if God wanted world recognition, he would have had Jesus born in a kingdom 
as a child of a king. And then Jesus would have conquered Rome with a mighty army and set the Israelites free the way they were hoping, the way they were believing their Messiah would come. But see, God didn't send Jesus to get the approval of men. He actually didn't even send Jesus to free the Israelites from the Romans. He sent Jesus to die for us to free everyone from the power of darkness. The Israelites' earthly life, what they faced, the daily challenges, it actually didn't change. See, when we talk about peace this morning, it's going to be a little bit challenging because heavenly peace and earthly peace are two different things. See, this is how well Jesus was set up for success to have approval from men. We find out he's born in the runt of the litter. That's where he's from. So if you feel like you're from a small town, I'm from a village of a thousand people. It's not even big enough to be called a town. But I still have never heard it called to, referred to as the runt of the Ottawa Valley. Never heard it called that way. So Jesus was born in the runt of Bethlehem. And then in John 1, verse 45 and 46, Philip found Nathan, Nathaniel, and told him, we found the one Moses wrote about in the law, about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. Come and see, said Philip. So born in Bethlehem, thank goodness he didn't like grow up there. They were there on a trip. So like we can, dis like there's a little bit of distance. Like, hey, you're from Bethlehem? Not really. I was born there. <laughs> like it was a family trip. We kind of got stuck there. That's why I was born there. It's just on my birth certificate. I really have nothing to do with Bethlehem. Oh, phew. Where are you from? Nazareth. Oh. This is Jesus' birthright. This is where he came from. This is who he is. When people hear where he was born and where he was from, this is the way people looked at him. Born in a town that everybody looked down upon. Went to Egypt to make sure he would survive. Moved back to another town that everybody looked down upon. Like mom and dad, could you not find a home somewhere else? <laughs> but here's what Paul tells us about earthly approval. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 27, 29, it says this, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. Everything that you have, everything that you have accomplished, 
everything that you own, everything that when somebody says, hey, what's your name? What do you do? Who are you? Where do you live? What, do you, what have you accomplished? What degrees are on your wall? All of these things are God's. Without God, you and I are nothing. Scripture tells us apart from him, we can do nothing. Now, that's hard for people to hear, especially men, because we are identified, we have our identity in what we do and what we accomplish. So when we hear that, immediately inside some men, we go, wait a minute, you don't know what I've accomplished. I don't think you understand what God has allowed you to do. As Pastor Carlo talked so greatly at the beginning of worship, it's our breath. See, you and I, we don't even think about breathing. As Pastor Carlo said, maybe if you choke on coffee, maybe if you've gone up too many flights of stairs because the elevator is out of order, that's when you begin to realize, I need to breathe. But see, you don't think about breathing you take for granted something God has put in you. The reason you're good at what you do and maybe you're better at it than somebody else is because God put it in you. Well, Chad, I practiced. I worked really hard. Yes, I understand that, but he also gave you discipline and self-control. Remember the whole fruits of the spirit kind of thing? That when you're close to God, it's amazing what happens. Understand that's the fruit of the spirit, not the fruit of Chad. Fill in your own name. I won't throw out names just in case they're sitting in the room. <laughs> These are the things that God has given us. So that if we are not boasting in God, we should not be boasting. Look a couple verses earlier in 1 Corinthians. Just verse 20, uh, verse, chapter 1, verse 25, it says this. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom. And the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. God's foolishness is smarter than any one of us. God's weakness, so let's pick on his pinky finger. God's pinky finger is stronger than any one of us. This is who he is. And this is why he sent us the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus said, it's better for me to go so that I can send the Holy Spirit. John 14, 26, it says, But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. If you want to share the gospel, if you want to witness to other people, I honestly believe if you want to get better and improve in your knowledge at work, at your workplace. Students, if you want to get better grades, you need to make sure you spend time with God. Now, study. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Study. For all the parents, I am saying study. 
for when your student says, Chad just said to spend time with God. I'm going to go listen to worship music. <laughs> but I'll challenge parents as well. If your student would spend 20 minutes with God before they study, I believe they will absorb more than if they just went and studied for 40 minutes. Why? Because it's God. When you pray before a test, Lord, help me to remember what I've studied. You need to prepare. You can't just be like, Lord, help me to just miraculously know what the answers are. I believe God honors preparation. I also believe he honors perspiration. You need to work hard. One of the best sayings I ever heard, many of you have heard it, pray like it depends on God, work like it depends on you. You want to see your neighbors reach for God? In some cases, stop praying and start talking to them. Understand, keep praying. But don't just pray and expect an angel to throw up on their doorstep. You might be the angel. He will give us, he will teach us, and he will remind us. Chad, I'm just nervous when I get before my neighbors, if we're just hanging out. Here's the thing. Please don't witness to your neighbors the first time you talk to them. Look how many people Jesus ate with before anything happened in their lives. Zacchaeus, he called them down out of a tree and he said, I'm going to come to your house for lunch. I would suggest inviting them to your house, not inviting yourself to their house. <laughs> Some things Jesus can do that I would recommend that we don't do. <laughs> Invite them to your house, enjoy each other's company, and bless them on their way. And then he will remind you the things that you know, the things that God has spoken to you, the things that you have read, the things that you have heard, he will remind you in the moment because he cares more about their soul than you do. He will remind you. Because he doesn't care where you started. If you're like, Chad, I just don't know if I can do this. I've tried before and it's just really messed up. He doesn't care. He wants you to try again. Look at the disciples that he picked. You have to understand their culture. The age that they were at, they already would have memorized the Torah. And then the chosen ones, the good ones, the ones that people want to be leaders, already were with rabbis. They were with religious leaders being discipled. The ones that Jesus found that were fishermen, it was because they were already told they weren't good enough to be disciples. And Jesus shows up and goes, hey, will you follow me? That's why they dropped their nets and followed him. It wasn't that he like hypnotized them and they're just like, oh, we'll just follow him. They understood when he said, will you follow me? That's what rabbis would say. They understood what he was saying. It wasn't something weird. It wasn't, hey, I have some candy, get in the van. They understood he is a teacher. He wants us to follow him. He wants us to be disciples. So he, they followed him. He chose the rejects. If you've ever felt 
rejected, not chosen for something, not able to do something. Jesus looks at you and says, perfect, perfect. Jesus continues in the very next verse talking about sending the Holy Spirit. He says this in John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. See, first off, God doesn't care where you start. He doesn't care about your beginnings. And second, he has the peace for you to make it through what he's asking you to do. See, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. But his peace, God's peace, is different than the peace that you and I actually hope for. If somebody said to you, like, if you could have anything and you're like, oh, I just want peace in my life. The peace that you're thinking about, that you're talking about, is different than the peace that Jesus is talking about. The peace of this world is when everything is going good. We have no problems, we have no challenges, we have no difficulties. That's the peace that we're talking about. Lucy Norman, she writes of her experience of Christmas shopping. Anybody been Christmas shopping recently? Right? She writes of an experience Christmas shopping at the mall. She said people had been pushing, elbowing, cutting in front of her all day. During a 10-minute extra 10% off special, one woman grabbed a lace tablecloth in her hands and looked her in the eye and said, mine. <laughs> and we wonder where our toddlers learn their first words. <laughs> Luckily, Lucy yanked it back and won. We all laugh, but in that moment, what would you do? By 4 p.m., her mood was belligerent. She met some friends at the mall restaurant and flagged, flagged down a server. She barked, I need hot tea now. The waitress snapped back, I'm not your server, wait your turn. Lucy responded, lady, I've been waiting my turn all day. Bring me some tea. But the waitress ignored her. A few minutes later, a, young, a friendly young man came to her, their table and said, I'm Rob, your waiter. He took their order. Lucy watched Rob as he helped the rude waitress with her tray. We could argue who was rude. He greeted other customers and the staff with a smile on his face in midst of all the hurried customers and chaos of the season. He had a polite and unhurried atmosphere of calm. When he refilled her tea, Lucy noticed a silver ring on his hand and made, made of a connected letter spelling Jesus. And then she writes, from that moment on, my attitude changed. This young man's example had reminded me of the peace that Christ came to bring. And, to, and for the rest of the day, Lucy shopped, opening doors for others and letting others in front of her in the checkout line all in an atmosphere of peace. See, just like Lucy changed after seeing Rob's example of peace that came from Christ, you and I can change today. You and I can leave here changed. Well, Chad, I don't yell at waitresses for tea. No, 
but I do know that Sundays are still the most unwanted work hours at restaurants because of Christians. High demanding, low tipping. But what if you and I, what if we shopped differently? Just talking shopping. Forget the living, how the way we live the rest of our lives. What if you and I just shopped differently? Not just during the Christmas season, but always. What if you walked into a restaurant and the waiters and waitresses actually argued over who got to serve you, not because they didn't want to, but because they wanted to? What if when cashiers saw you coming at your normal grocery store, they were like, oh, it's so good to see them. It's just going to put a smile on my face. What if? How can we impact Stratford? How can we impact St. Mary's just by walking with the peace of God in us? See, I remember when we lived in Toronto and I would leave work at like 3.30 in the afternoon. I immediately knew the 30-minute drive that I had in the morning was going to be about an hour and a half home. So when I got in the car, I turned on 590 Sports Radio. I bought myself a coffee, and I just enjoyed the drive. And I would see people beside me freaking out and stop traffic, and I was like, did you actually expect anything different? When you go shopping the last week right before Christmas because you waited that long, men, <laughs> are you expecting anything different but chaos? See, when I go in, I just expect chaos. And it actually helps me relax. Because I expect it. So I immediately go, I'm not in a rush. How can we affect people differently by the peace that we walk in? See, our situations don't need to change for us to change. It's how God works. If you're waiting for your situation to change before you change, God's probably waiting for you to change before he changes your situation. That's why you're in the situation you're in. He's using it to mold you. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, he says this. But he said to me, this is where Paul talks about the thorn in his flesh and asking God to remove it, and God won't. And he says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. God's power is proven to be perfect when you are weak. Therefore, you and I should be happy when we're weak. Now, do we delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in in difficulties? No, we don't. Because you and I are human. But the peace of God can help us do that. 
Your situation doesn't have to change for you to be an example for your coworkers. You are probably a better example to your coworkers because of the peace that's on you as you walk through the difficulties because that's what catches them off guard. You being great when life is great, everybody's like that. Your neighbor, your coworker who is not living for God, is not chosen to live for God, looks at you in a, in when life is good and goes, yeah, of course they're perfect. So am I. It's in the difficulties that they look at you to see how are you different. See, sometimes we don't walk through difficulties to shape us. We walk through difficulties for our light to shine for others. So that your neighbor, your coworker goes, hold on a second. Can I ask you a couple questions? Absolutely, what's up? Aren't you walking through this and this? Isn't this happening in your family? Isn't this the health issues? Isn't this the situation? Isn't this the difficulties? Yes. How are you smiling? How are you joyful? How are you so at peace? Well, listen, I know we don't see eye to eye on everything, but if you want the honest answer, the honest answer is Jesus. Really? Other than Jesus, what's really different between you and me? Oh, that's kind of true. Yeah, that's all I got. I got Jesus. See how you boast in him in the difficulties? And it changes the way people see you. Because here's the thing with difficulties. Psalms 23, verse 5, it says this. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. See, when he prepares a table in the presence of your enemies, nothing's changed. Your enemies are still there. What he's saying is sit down, relax, have a meal. Take a breath. Be at peace. I am with you. I haven't left you. I haven't walked away. It's the supernatural peace in the middle of it. This is what you, makes you and I stand out to others. It's the peace that people don't understand. See, Lucy watched Rob because she didn't understand why or how he was being so nice in the midst of the chaos. Your coworkers, your neighbors, your family, your children, they're watching you. They're watching you all the time. How are you responding? What is different? Philippians 4, verse 7, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts in the, and your minds in Christ Jesus. When we trust God and spend time with him daily, that is where the peace of God comes from. You have to spend time with him to have his peace. You spend time with him, peace will be there. It transcends all understanding. There's no way to understand it, so don't try. Don't bother trying to figure it out. Now, Paul continues in the very next verses. He says this. This is how it can help us have peace. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. We think about godly things in the midst of it all. 
And that's where our peace will come from. It's the peace of God. It's the knowledge that he gives us. It's the understanding that he can give us in the middle of all of it. And it comes from being with God. Here's a verse that I would love to be on my tombstone. Because at the end of my life, this is what I hope for people to say about me. Every day. Acts 4 verse 13, it says this. And they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were, this is the part that I'd love on my tombstone, unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. At the end of my life, what I hope my neighbors, what I hope my children and my family, hope my friends will say about me is, you know what? Chad wasn't always the sharpest knife in the drawer. You know what? He actually got some stuff wrong. Well, if we're honest, he got a lot of stuff wrong. But the one thing I know about him, the one thing that was different about Chad, the one thing that my neighbors and the people that I play sports with, because my coworkers should be saved, I was going to say co-workers, but I'm like, oh, my co-workers should know Jesus, so I shouldn't stand out that much to them. <laughs> but what they should be able to say about me is that Chad spent time with Jesus. He had been with Jesus. Nothing about me. There's nothing special about me. Any peace that I have, any joy that I have, any... Uh, value that I have, it comes from Jesus Christ. And all of us can have that simply by spending time with him. Let's pray. Prayer team, will you come to the front? Father, I thank you that you are the Prince of Peace that you came to this earth so every one of us could walk in peace. Jesus, I thank you for your honesty that in this life we will have trouble. That's what you told us. So, Father, when I walk through difficult times, it doesn't question my faith. There's, I'm not doing something necessarily wrong. Lord, if I am, show me so I can correct it and get back on track. But, Lord, sometimes we go through difficulties so other people will see you through us. So, Lord, I pray for the ones in this room that are walking through difficulties in this moment. And Lord, they've already prayed, Holy Spirit, you've spoken to them. You, if they needed conviction for something, you've done it, and they've asked for forgiveness. And Lord, if they haven't, then convict them right now and say, you need to ask for forgiveness of this. But Lord, if they're walking through a challenging time, and they need supernatural peace, because Father, you are just using them as a light to the people around them. Lord, I pray today you prepare a table for them. That, Lord, this afternoon they are able to rest in a way they haven't rested in a long time. Not because of anything they've done, but today they just encounter a supernatural peace that your word tells us that passes all understanding. Let us be that light for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message. Bethel Church Podcast. 
hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you, and that you come back and check out next week's message as well.